Hi, I'm Erwin McManus, and this is the Mosaic Podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're one of our regular listeners, we love the fact that you journey with us. And we pray that every single message inspires you and helps you become the person that God created you to be. Every single week, we send a new message across the world. And everything we do here at Mosaic is made available to everyone in the world for absolutely free. The reason we can do that is that we have incredible people who give generously and sacrificially to make this possible. And I want to invite you to join us. If you're already a giver, thank you so much. If this is something you've not yet done, I want to invite you to start doing that now. Go to mosaic.org give and give a one-time gift or even beyond that become a recurring giver here at Mosaic. And if you're one of those individuals who God has blessed in an amazing way financially, I want to invite you to become one of our partners here at Mosaic. What's really beautiful about Mosaic is that our biggest givers are families who do not live here in Los Angeles, but they are so committed to the message of Jesus going to the world that they support the work here from Los Angeles to the ends of the earth. And so I want to invite you again, go to mosaic.org give, become a part of our support system, become one of our partners, and more than anything else, I want you to listen to the message, allow Jesus to speak to you in a way that will change your life. So it's been a crazy month for me. In 30 days, I, I don't know if I did the math quite right, that I think I was in six different countries, at least 15 different cities, six different states, 34 different airplanes. It's been intense 30 days. It's been so much fun. No idea where I am, what time it is, whether I should be awake or asleep, but I'm just glad to be alive and to be here. And I want to thank Pastor David for letting me slip in today and uh, be a part of our community here. But in in one of those stops, I was in Chicago. I was at this event called the Global Leadership Summit. They have speakers that I, I just felt so honored to be hearing and had a moment to, to get to speak, but, but before I spoke, I was sitting in the room listening to one of the speakers, and, and, and speakers sometimes want to get group involvement, and that way if, I, if they can get you engaged, they might be able to create a, a greater openness for you to hear their message, and so the speaker got up there and said, tell the person next to you that you know that they came here ready to learn, and everyone is looking at each other, and the stranger next to me looked at me and said, I know that you came here ready to learn. And then it was my turn, and I didn't know what to do. So I looked at him and I said, I don't know you. I have no idea why you're here. And I don't know if you're here ready to learn, but I'm just going to assume that you are. It's very hard for me to tell someone something that isn't true, or at least if I don't know if it's true. But we've really become accustomed to telling people things that are not true just because they're polite. Now, I remember growing up as a kid when the phone would ring. Remember the landlines? And, and the phone would ring, and I won't name who it was. It was a nameless parent who would say, tell them I'm not home. You ever have that? And, of course, I'm 10 years old, and I say she doesn't want to talk to you. And she wants me to tell you that she's not home. I had a hard time, even when I was a child, telling people things that I didn't know were true. So you cannot imagine what it's like when I read the scriptures and I read God telling us something that 
isn't true about us. Oh, I got really quiet in here. I mean, would God ever want you to tell yourself something that wasn't true about yourself? Anybody here a parent? I mean, we, 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 we've raised children. And, and how many times did you tell your children to say things that you didn't know were true or not? You know, if you watch the help, you know you tell your little kid that you're, I'm good, right? I'm kind, right? I'm strong. And, and if you have healthy parents, they actually have you mirror positive attributes about yourself that may or may not be true. We don't call that lying. We call it shaping. But in Joel chapter 3, verse 10, God says this to Israel in an incredibly critical time in their lives. Nothing has gone right. Nothing has gone well. Nothing has gone according to plan. Their world is in radical devastation. They're constantly under oppression. Their children are being sold into slavery. They're, they haven't experienced freedom in so long they can barely remember what it tastes like. And God says to them, because they've, they've basically acquiesced. They've stopped fighting. They stopped believing that their lives could be different. They stopped believing that they could be different. And I think they stopped believing that God would do something. And in verse 10 he says, Make your plows into swords. Make spears from your hooks for trimming trees. But then he says this, let the weak say, I am strong. There it is. Let the weak say, I am strong. Now, if you're the weak, what you are not by definition is strong. So if you are the weak and God is saying to you, let the weak say you are strong, he's saying, you need to lie to yourself. You need to tell yourself something that isn't true about yourself. And I know we're not supposed to have conversations like this, but this is, this is the way I read the Bible. I let it tell me what it says and disturb me. God, why would you have me say, because I apply it to myself, something that isn't true about myself? God, why would you have me lie to myself? It's like me looking at the stranger and saying, I know you're here ready to learn. I don't know. I don't know if you're here because your boss paid for you to be here. I don't know if you're here because you'd rather be here than at work. I don't know why you're here. It's a business conference. There are a lot of motivations around it. But why then would God be okay by telling the weak that they should tell themselves, I am strong? There's something God understands about identity that I think sometimes we miss. Because in this particular moment, what God is actually trying to tell them is that you must shape your identity not on who you are or who you've been, but who I'm going to make you become. Let the weak say, I am strong. This is a shift. And, and I, I want to thank you for that earlier announcement for mindship, but I want you to understand that I'm not just writing a book because, oh, I like to write books. I, I find everywhere I go, people who have limited their own capacity, their own potential, who are 
living a minimal life, who are barely surviving and existing because they've created such internal limitations that they're suffocating themselves to death. And the reality is that they're right about themselves. They are the weak. Because when I feel weak, I'm right about myself. Do you ever feel it? I do. Those moments I feel inadequate. I'm, I actually know myself better than someone else. And in fact, that's why sometimes someone else's encouragement doesn't help me. Go, no, Erwin, you can do it. You don't know me. <laughs> I can't. You are overestimating me. No, Erwin, you got this. You don't know. If I, I don't got this, I don't even got it. You ever just feel like you're just faking it and lying to everyone else? And one day you're going to get found out. One day they're going to realize you're not as smart as they think, and you're not as talented as they think, and you're not as good as they think, and you're not what they think, and you spend so much energy trying to become what everyone else thinks you are, but you know you're so much less. You're just the weak. And then you have God saying to you, in that moment when you know you're the weak, that's when I need you to tell yourself, I am strong. This is when I need you to reach to a different source for your identity. What I found is that your identity is your destiny. As I listen to conversations about achieving your potential and, you know, going for your destiny and living out your calling, whatever the language is, that in the end, the actual scale of your personal capacity is directly connected to the depth of your identity, of who you say you are. And, and this is why, for me, hearing God speak into my life is so critical. Because I'm in a conflict, and and I have always thought my conflict was, I think I'm more than I am, and God knows I'm less than I am. Isn't that the way oftentimes we think about God? I mean, God's so big, and he knows everything, and he knows you're not. But it's actually the opposite that's true. See, it, it's it, 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 this, this relationship with God, this, this spiritual engagement that happens at the depth of our soul, it's not us in the end, telling God how awesome we are and God telling us, no, you're not awesome. You're less. It's actually in our most authentic and honest moments, in our most fragile and vulnerable moments, coming to God and saying, God, I don't have what it takes. God, I'm not that. God, I can lie to everyone else. I, I, can, I can con everyone else, but I know that you see me. You say, God, I am weak. This is when you need to, to let the silence overwhelm you until you hear God speak into your life. I need you to eradicate that declaration of yourself out of your mouth. Because what you say about yourself matters. And if you spend your entire life saying, I am weak, then you will never step into the identity that Jesus died for you to step into. And God wants you to be able to stand and go, no, I'm strong. God is saying, 
Don't let the person who thinks they're weak say they're strong. Let the weak say they're strong. You need to step into the identity God has given you before you can step into the life God has for you. You see this over and over again in the scriptures. I'm just going to take you just to a few. What God is doing. God is shifting our identity from who we are to who we are becoming. Which makes so much sense because God is outside of time. Why would God ever define you based on your past? Why would God even define you based on your present? God isn't even going to define you based on your near future. God is going to define you from your absolute future. See, God sees a you that you can't even imagine. God sees the you beyond time and space. God sees the you beyond your last breath on earth, and God is impressed because he recreated you. So in Genesis 17, verse 5, God has a meeting with a guy named Abram. We don't usually call him Abram. But in verse 5 it says, I am changing your name. This is God talking to Abram. I am changing your name from Abram to Abraham. So I'm, I'm changing your name. This is because I am making you a father to many nations, which is what Abraham means. Now what's amazing to me is that Abram did not have any children and Abraham did not have any children. <laughs> Can you imagine being this old guy who now changes his name? Because I don't know if other people think God changed his name. I think people thought Abram's out of his mind. He's <laughs> lost it. I know that's what Sarah thought because she laughed. Now he's calling himself, I am the father of many nations. Every time he says his name, who are you? Abraham. I am the father of many nations. Like, you ain't even the father of one nation. Like, you're not of a, of a, of a county, uh, you know, of a village. You're, you, you can't even father a small hut. What, what are you talking about? And God actually forces him by taking on a new name to declare his new identity every single day of his life long before it actually became a reality. In fact, the reality of it didn't happen until after his death, but it was still his. If God were going to take you through the physical transformation of a name change, what would it be? What name is God trying to give you that redefines your identity based on not who you've been or who you are, but who you're becoming? See this over and over again. God does it again with Jacob that we know of as Israel. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget Jacob and Israel, the same guy. Anybody else? Just me? Because they, I'm not supposed to forget, right? I'm supposed to know this. But the, but the thing is that some people, like, all right, tell me anything interesting about Abram's life. Almost nothing. See, it, it's like before the name change, there's nothing interesting. After the name change, it's fascinating. But it's not true for Jacob. Jacob had a very interesting life as Jacob. Jacob built the name as Jacob. And then he gets a new name, Israel, but it didn't change the fact that he did a lot as Jacob. Now he's going to do a lot as Israel. The difference is that what he did as Jacob made him infamous. And what he did as Israel made him famous. 
Genesis 32, verses 25, it says, The man saw that he could not defeat Jacob, so he struck Jacob's hip and put it out of the joint. And then the man said to him, What is your name? Why are names so important? He answered, Jacob. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, Jacob. Your name will now be Israel. Because you have wrestled with God and with men. And you have won. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But the man said, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named that place Peniel. And he said, I have seen God face to face. But my life was saved. By the way, the interesting thing about God. When he asks him for his name, he doesn't really give him his name. It's because, see, God's name doesn't change. He's I am. And he's always I am. He was always I am. He is I am. He will be I am because God is unchanging. He doesn't need an improved version of himself. And I, I hear a lot of people who've never read the Bible. They're always the experts on the Bible. And they always say to me, well, you know, there are like two gods in the Bible. The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament has like a bad attitude. Got anger issues, a lot of wrath happening. The guy in New Testament meets Jesus. This is where, like, Jesus changes God's life. And, and, right? The guy in New Testament meets Jesus and now is full of mercy and compassion and love. And the reality is the, the same God that Jesus reflects is the same God that Israel knew. God didn't have a life change. and go, I should be more compassionate. I am good. I am kind. <laughs> right? You know? And so when you ask God his name, his name is constant in that sense. But here's the interesting thing with Jacob. His name Jacob, and I, I, Jacob's a great name, by the way, but it means deceiver. And, and uh, it, it's okay. And when you name your kid, you probably didn't look that up. You thought Jacob, what a strong name, right? But can you imagine all your life being called deceiver and living up to it? Because he actually was. He was a crook. He was a criminal. He was a thief. He could not be trusted. And so God chooses this person, Jacob, who could not be trusted, who was a con man, who was disloyal to everyone in his life. And God said, I'm going to change your name. Why? Because he wrestled with God. Even his name, Israel, which <laughs> I just kept digging, digging, going, I need, I need to find a nuance. I need to find a nuance. But it really means somebody who fights with God. What a, what, what a surprising name for someone who becomes the icon for an entire nation that follows God. Because I think a lot of times we think, oh, Israel, they, they just submitted to God. No, they're called Israel because he's always fighting with God. He's always wrestling with God. And God says he won. That was a fixed fight. <laughs> Dana White was definitely involved. I mean, there, there was a situation here. Because there's no way that he's going to win a fight over God. But God wants us to win the fight where our identity is transformed. He wants us to wrestle with him so that we can wrestle with ourselves and discover who we were created to be. So he wins this fight and then he has a new name because he saw God face to face. But his life was saved. You can fight with God and be saved. He says, I've seen God face to face with my life was saved. In fact, I think if you don't wrestle with God, you may never know who God created you to be.
You should fight with God. You should have deep, intense conversations with God about who you are and who he created you to become. And he'll let you think you've won. When you come out on the other side, the person he created you to be. But you see this theme throughout the scriptures. In John chapter 1, verse 42, now we'll go to the New Testament. The theme continues. Now we have Jesus walking the earth, calling his disciples. And it says, then Andrew took Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Simon and said, this is, this is Jesus' first conversation with Simon. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Cephas means Peter. Peter means rock. Can you imagine being brought over by a relative and he says, I want you to meet Jesus. And Jesus looks at you. He says, I know you, Simon. And now your name is, can you imagine a first time meeting? I know your name is Adon. But now you're going to be called Adonis. Well, actually, you are called Adonis, aren't you? <laughs> Just by your wife. <laughs> Can you imagine if in your first meeting someone could look inside of you and look past all of your flaws, all of your weaknesses, all of your shortcomings, all of your failures, and see something so extraordinary that they felt your name was inadequate for you? And Jesus says, Simon, you have no idea where this journey is taking you. But I know who you're going to need to be to do what I've created you to do. Because your identity is your destiny. So you'll be called Peter now. Just the psychological impact of that. Every time you meet someone, who are you? I'm Peter. I mean, we have the cultural equivalent of that with the rock. I mean, his real name is Dwayne. Okay, I don't, I don't care how you say it. Dwayne is not like a cool name. Right? It's not like a masculine name. It's not like anybody says, I want to be named Dwayne. You want to trade your name for Dwayne? No, you don't. But you'd love to be the rock. Dwayne is just sort of like Dwayne. Right? It's like Irwin. It's, like, it's not like a top ten. But the moment Dwayne becomes the rock, Dwayne becomes cool. Because you go, hey, yeah, Dwayne's the rock. Who wouldn't want to be Dwayne now that Dwayne's the rock? But can you imagine, like, you show up at a meeting. Hi, you know. I'm John. What's your name? The rock. Like, hi. <laughs> I mean, if you're single, you have no dating problems. I'm the rock. It just works, right? And now Peter, everywhere he goes, says, I am Peter. And all we hear is Peter or Cephas. But, but what everyone heard was, I am the rock. Can you imagine Andrew going, he didn't give me a name. I'm still Andrew. That's why you're not in the book a whole lot, because you still have the same name. 
you want to have a story to tell, you better make sure that your identity changes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's what the scriptures tell us. I just want to read just a few verses. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone, that's you and me, that's all of us. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. And I, I, we end up always distorting this. What we end up hearing is the new creation is coming. The old is still haunting us, but it's okay because new things are being created, but that's not what it says. It says that if you are in Christ, once you've opened up your life and trans, transferred, in a sense, the control of your inner world to Jesus, once you've opened up your life to him, you are a new creation. You have been given a new identity. You're not only a new identity, you are a new creature. And the old is gone, but the new has come. But the problem is that, all right, come on. But the problem is that you keep experiencing the old you. Right? I mean, the problem is that the old is gone. My wife, the old may be gone, but the old is still with me. And I was just watching this little documentary about lobsters. I'm not sure why. But it's talking about how when the lobsters outgrow their shells, they're in pain. And that pain lets them know it's time to let go of that shell. They have to go and hide in a crevice of a rock because they're vulnerable while they're losing that protective shell. So they can grow a new shell that matches their new size. And I have a sense that our life experience is very much like that. See, the reason the old Jew stays with you is it's because it's the old shell that you feel protects you. It's all you know. It's what keeps you safe. So you act the way you used to be because it's the only way you know how to be. Because when you take off that old shell, you have a moment of intense vulnerability where you feel you have no protection. And you have to go hide in the cleft of a rock. You have to find another rock to protect you as you grow this new shell. And that's who Jesus is. He's the one you go and hide inside of when you let go of your bitterness. And you let go of your anger. And you let go of unforgiveness. And you let go of all of those negative attributes that protected you. Because they made you feel safe. And you're afraid to let them go because it makes you feel vulnerable and unprotected. And you have to just crawl into the cleft of the rock that is Jesus as he grows a new shell on you. That matches who you are now. In Colossians 3.10 it says, And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You are a new you. You just may not feel it yet. See, when God says, let the weak say, I am strong, he's not telling you to lie to yourself. He's telling you to tell yourself the deepest truth. There's a deeper truth that you're unaware of because you don't know who you were created to be. 
There's a deeper truth that you need to embrace. In Romans verse 8, chapter 8, verse 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know what he is actually telling us? You need to declare it. You need to embrace your identity. You are more than a conqueror. You are a new creation. You are a new self. You now have the fullness of God dwelling in you. Do you know who you are? Or do you still think you are who you were? And that's why you're not ready for the life you long for. Because when your identity is rooted in who you were, you will always remain who you were. But the moment your identity is rooted in who you have already become in him, now the journey begins for real. I was thinking about how of all the things Jesus embraced and experienced while he walked this earth, the one thing he did not have is an identity crisis. He knew who he was. And I was struck how many times Jesus uses the phrase, I am, which is his own declaration of identity. And that's why the I am's in the scriptures are the echo of the divine. Because every time Jesus says, I am, he's actually saying, I am God. So when he says, I am the bread of life, and I am the light of the world, and I am the way and the truth and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life, he's letting you know who he is, and because of who he is, what emanates out of his being, and what is created out of his actions. But there's one particular moment in John 18, verses 4 through 6, that really struck me the most. Judas has betrayed Jesus, the Roman Guard has come to take Jesus a prisoner and drag him to the cross. And Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth? And they replied, and he said, I am he. So when it says, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Jesus' power was in his identity. He knew who he was. It didn't matter if the circumstances matched what he desired. It didn't matter what other people were doing or saying. We're choosing. It did not change who he was. And even as he's coming to the culminating epic tragedy of his life, even as he was experiencing betrayal from his friends, abandonment from those he loved, even though he was going to be called guilty, though he was innocent, even though he knew he would be beaten, brutalized, mocked, and shamed, and crucified, it didn't change who he was. And when he said, who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. They were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, but they found was I am. He replied, I am he. And they fell back and fell to the ground. 
Do you know how much power there is when you know who you are? And God wants you to be able to stand in that I am. You need to stand. And I am loved. I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to one day earn being lovable. Even if no one around me loves me, I want you to know I am loved. I stand in that. That's my identity. I want you to stand. God wants you to stand in that identity. I am accepted. Not I'm going to be accepted or I have to do things to be accepted or I've messed up that acceptance. You need to stand in that. I am accepted. And you know, there are going to be people when you do not live up to their expectations that will not accept you. And they will try to convince you that God is not accepting you. And I want you to stand in your identity. I am accepted. I know it's crazy. Because there are going to be days you're going to feel so beat up and so exhausted. There are going to be days you're going to face failure and disappointment. But you need to stand in your identity. I am more than a conqueror. I'm not going to be. I am. Your identity is your destiny. And your life will match your identity. If you don't know who you are, you will never live a reflection of that. I do not want my life to reflect who I was. I do not want my life to reflect who I am. I want my life to reflect who God knows he created me to be. And, and by the way, what you say about yourself matters. You need to destroy all the negative self-talk in your life. That's not humility. That is self-loathing. Every day you say negative things about yourself, you are, you are violating God's intention for your life. You need to stand in alignment with what God is saying about you. And then strangely enough, you need to understand and accept that you are becoming who you already are. That's the mystery of what Jesus does. So you're not becoming who God wants you to be. You are unwrapping, unleashing, awakening who God has already made you. Can't see it, but it's, it's, he's in there. She's in there. All the negative, all the stuff that looks like the previous you, that's just the old scales that need to be pushed aside. Your entire life should be a journey of becoming who you already are. And living in that joy, living in that confidence. I've already been there. I've already become that. I am my future self. And I just want to move as fast as I can to the future me. Own who you are and you will become the best version of you. I have some friends that don't know Jesus. I have a lot of friends who don't know Jesus. And, and one of the things I began to realize is that 
When you give your life to Jesus, it's not just about eternity. You know what happens when you open your life to Jesus? Your entire inner world changes its posture. Because when you come to faith in Jesus, here's what you have to accept. I have a lot of growing to do. I need to change. I have things I have to let go of and things I have to take hold of. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you now move into a posture of growth for the rest of your life. What I do know is this. When you give your life to Jesus, you will one day look exactly the way God intended you to look. You will be exactly who God created you to become. You will be the most extraordinary version of you. Do you know what obedience does? You know what faith does? You know what trust does? It just gets you there faster. And I want to be the best expression of who God created me to be as fast as I can be that. How about you? I just want you to take a moment and just bow your heads with me just for a moment. Close your eyes. Ah, names matter to me. I mean, my name, Irwin. You know, it came to me, a lot of you guys know, because my grandfather renamed me. Because I felt like I needed a new name to become a new person. I feel like I should have changed my name like 50 times. Because every time I turn a corner, I realize, ah, I need a better version of me. I don't need to be a different me. I just need to be a better version of me. And in some sense, I feel like God is always renaming us in a really beautiful way. And if you're here right now, the one name that really matters is the name Jesus. Because when you put your trust in him, it's his name that overrides everything. When you cross the line of faith and you give him your life, his name is the one that changes everything. Because 2,000 years ago, God stepped into human history and he took on flesh and blood and he walked among us and his name was Jesus. And he died on a cross and he rose from the dead so that we could have the forgiveness of our sin and become the new person that only God can make us. If you're here right now and you are tired of carrying the old Jew into your new future, I want to invite you right now, this moment, to give your life to Jesus and to have a new identity placed within you by the God who created you. If you're ready to receive that identity, to become who God created you to become. I want you to pray this simple prayer right now. Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him. Jesus, I give you my life. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to whisper something to God no matter where you are in your journey. I want you to tell God right now, God, 
I want to see myself the way you see me. Tell him right now. I want to see myself the way you see me. I want my identity to be shaped by you. Just tell him right now. I want my identity to be shaped by you. I am strong. I am courageous. I am more than a conqueror. This is who I am in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Before you open your eyes, and if you, in this moment, invited Jesus into your life, if you prayed that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. I just want you to raise your hand right now, and I want to see you right now. If you just pray, Jesus, I give you my life. Just hold it up high right now. Embrace your new identity. Beautiful. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. Beautiful. Father, I thank you for those who in this moment open up their lives to you. I pray that you would wrap them up in your love. Let them know they belong to you. And I pray, God, that their identity would be rooted in you and not all the lies that they've been told and all the lies they told themselves. May they know who they are in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Mosaic Podcast. As God has spoken into your life, one of the things that Jesus teaches us is that when we've been invested in, we need to also become investors. And I want to encourage you right now, if Mosaic is one of the platforms from which you grow spiritually, you connect more deeply to God, and your faith with Jesus becomes more real, I want to encourage you right now to go to mosaic.org and become one of our givers. Give a one-time gift, become a recurring giver, become a part of what God's doing across the world. Mosaic isn't just a church in Los Angeles. Mosaic is all of us working together. Thank you.